Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I am joined with not only a good friend, but an expert in what I consider to be in what we call Senate Bill 4D. Justice Serrato, attorney, you've been in the business for 12 years now in the real estate game doing this. Thank you for being on the show. You're joining us with Blue Ocean Title Day. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, great to be here, Quinn, and thanks for having me. And I think these podcasts are just vital to um, the longevity of our agents here in the market. Um, just educating them on every last detail that we possibly can just to keep these transactions in good standing. So um, happy to do it and glad to be here. Yeah, man, it's glad to have you. Thanks for saying all that kind words, man. We're super excited. This is going to be our 58th episode. Uh, super stoked about it. And, you know, this is something that I, I noticed you've been going around the, the region doing this right now, talking about this new proposal, nicknamed the Surfside Bill, kind of after the condos that collapsed down there in Miami. And I think there's a lot of people that are maybe potential condo buyers and even condo owners right now that just aren't aware of what's taking place. This was, I'm not saying this was passed under the radar, but I'm saying this didn't make the front page of the newspapers. And this definitely isn't on the, the front page of a lot of news outlets that I'm watching. Matter of fact, I didn't hear about it until you spoke about it at a meeting I was at. So I was glad to get you on the show today and, and talk a little bit about it. So to kind of kick it off, explain, what am I even talking about? Senate Bill 4D. What, what, what is that? Yeah, that's right, Quentin. I mean, it has been somewhat under the radar and um, until some recent updates um, to our local contract here specifically, um, you know, it really has not been a part of mm -hmm. the conversation with condo buyers um, in particular. So this Surfside bill, again, Senate uh, Bill 4D um, was established um, to require a statewide inspection program uh, for condos and cooperatives, specifically three stories and more. And we'll touch more on, on some of these requirements and these thresholds um, throughout the cast here. But um, it's really a two-prong um, inspection. It's A, the structural integrity of the building, mm -hmm. and B, uh, a reserve study. Um, to make sure that these condos and cooperatives are safe for continued use. So for our audience, break down what is a reserve study? Like that's a big term. A lot of people don't know what that, if you're not in the business, you might not know what that means. Kind of break that down for them real quick. Yeah, sure. So it's simply a study of the, the reserves that the association is holding so far as funds to... Um, to fund deferred maintenance projects. Okay. So if you're a condo association, you not only have regular dues, but inside those dues, there's a portion of that that goes towards a reserve fund. Correct. And so what they're saying is, hey, listen, we got to do a study of that fund to make sure we have enough in case there is a something catastrophic that happens or potential what happened in Miami. Do we have enough to cover that? And this is the reserve study that you're referring to? Correct. Correct. Okay. And even more so just your everyday maintenance and deferred maintenance. So, you know, certain elements of that building have a certain sh shelf life i.e. the roof. Mm -hmm. um, so rather than an association just kind of, for lack of better terms, kick the can down the road yep. um, and not fund those reserves over a certain amount of time previous to when that maintenance project needs to occur, um, you know, and, and rather just establish a one-time assessment when the need comes about, Yep. Um, which obviously, you know, can be a detriment to sure. many owners. Yeah, um, it's a yes, strain, financial yes, strain. Absolutely. So, so what he's talking about here, guys, is just think about this, like, and say, hey, I'm going to prepay for something over time that I know is going to happen. I've got to put a new roof on. Let's use that as an example. There might be some structural damage or, or structural issues that need to take place. Instead of waiting for that to happen and saying, hey, we're going to assess 25000 across the board, we're actually going to maintain and put this in over a monthly period, a yearly period, to kind of have that already sitting there waiting to where it's not, such a financial burden. Yeah, it's far more manageable yeah. for the owners. So that $25,000 roof project, if, uh, you know, maybe it's a $2,000 assessment 
per year mm-hmm. leading up for those 12 years. And so now what's happening is they're going to and they're revising those studies and they're saying, hey, listen, we're going to make sure based on what we've seen happen already that you have enough in there. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So walk us through the rest. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to break that down. Yeah. So really this all originated with a task force that was uh, established by the state of Florida. Um, it, it was comprised of eight attorneys. Um, and they, after the collapse of that uh, Surfside building in the Champlain complex down in Miami, um, they wanted to shorten the leash on self-governance of condos. Um, and thus, this bill was was created and enacted in uh, in May of 2022. So, like you said earlier, it's not new, um, but it is just kind of coming to light now. Yeah, you know, it's like I said, probably in the last 60 days, I started to hear about it, and I like to think I'm pretty dialed into the news here. So, you May 22 is a shock to me that that's when it was passed and starting to go through. But some associations have already kind of jumped in and got ahead of this and started doing some reserve study. So, what else is inside this bill that we may be missing? Is is that is is there talk about that three story? Talk about proximity from the water? Kind of walk us through what is every condo subject to this, or is it just a select few? So no, so there's there's certain thresholds and there are certain exemption exemptions. Excuse okay. me. Um, so it starts at the third level. Um, so anything three stories and above is subject to this new, um, this new regulation. Um, and let me just kind of go back and give a quick history as far as condos being established in the state of Florida. Um, so that was roughly about 60 years ago. And the condominium, the concept of a condominium was established really to, um, with the idea of providing more affordable home ownership as compared to single family. Yeah. Talk about that um, all the time on the show. Yeah. So, and we'll come for, full circle with uh, kind of some of the, the quandaries mm-hmm. uh, that will result from this, this bill. Um, but it's three stories and higher. Um, and again, the older condos, uh, the more dated condos are going to be the ones subject to this first or have the sooner, t- the, the most you know, the, the closest in time as far as a deadline. So is there an age, certain amount of age on that? Yeah. So really, um, the, the way the bill reads is if, if a CO was issued on or before July 1st of 1992, Mm -hmm. then that deadline to have this study, um, completed will be December 31st of 2024. Wow. That's right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And and from what I understand, these studies, they're not quick. And there's only so many people that can do them in the state. Correct. So there's our conundrum. So if, if this was built prior to 92, what you're saying is they have till December of 24 to get this done. Correct. Okay. All right. So I understand that. So what's the next step if there, um, is there a, is there a certain age limit outside that 92 that, that is addressed? So next? yeah, anything, anything after that, then, then the way the bill reads is anything 30 years or older, um, would have to be performed or completed. The study would have to be completed, um, by the end of that year in okay. which it turns 30. Oh, wow. So if you got a condo that's 27 years old right now, by the time it turns 30 years old, that study has to be complete. Correct. It turns 30, let's say on January 1st, by December of that year, that study has to be completed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I see a kind of conundrum brewing right there. There's not enough engineer, or excuse me, not enough people to go around and complete this this study, if you may. And these studies, again, take time. They're not quick. Yeah, that's exactly I right. I mean, do you see that as well? That's what's going to yeah, happen there? absolutely. Okay. So there might be a chance those get pushed out. But regardless, there's some that are 25 to 20 years old. They're saying, hey, listen, we see that potentially being a problem. We're going to go ahead and do this assessment now. We're going to go ahead and have this study done now and get our name in the in the in line to get it done. Is that, are you seeing yeah, that happening? Correct. Yeah. And yeah. some of these, it's just been standard operating procedure. I okay. mean, they've had these studies done. Um, 
However, there are some that have not. Have not to kind of keep the dues low. So what's, is there a proximity to water? Do I recall something about being close to water that it doesn't matter if you're 30 years or not? Like it, there's a, there's a water distance here. You got to go so, now. So uh, yes, again, one of the thresholds is inside of three miles from mm-hmm. the coastline. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be subjected to this. Um, and have that completion date by the end of 2024. So regardless of how old you are, if Correct. you're within three miles of a coastline, does that include intercoastal river or just ocean? Coastline as defined by statute, which is going to be your your beach line. Beach line. Okay. I always think that's important because people think associate water with water, but yep. coastline is beach line. Yep. Okay. So let's kind of talk a little bit more about, all right, what are you seeing happening right now as a result of this bill? Like, what are you seeing kind of associations that are having these studies done and what's the impact to the association dues that you've seen or heard of thus far taking place? So thus far, I think the, the biggest, um, you know, quandary, um, we're going to find ourselves in is a, the timelines to complete these studies mm-hmm. and are there enough professionals to complete it? Um, B, uh, the cost of these studies and passing that cost on to the owners, and then see, you know, again, um, our condo is going to become an unaffordable entity. Right. Um, based on, you know, these new assessments um, and the result of these studies. Yeah. And I think that's what jumped off the page to me immediately when you started talking about this was, you know, we talk about, do we, we already have an inventory constraint right now in Florida, thus adding an additional one if these become unaffordable or become, and what do we mean by unaffordable is, you know, do you, I know I have some examples, but I'd love to hear because you're more in this. Talk about some examples of what HOA dues have done when these studies are completed. What have you seen happen or heard happen thus far? Well, I'll start with even just, you know, absent, absent a, um, you know, an ongoing assessment. Let's say it's a one-time special assessment mm-hmm. for a project. You know, a lot of these older complexes house, the older demographic. Yeah, fixed income. Correct, that are living on fixed income, exactly. So, you know, to throw a $20,000 assessment at a unit owner is going to create yeah. a, I mean, a financial yeah, crisis for that individual. Because it's my understanding, they've got to pay that within a certain time frame. Correct. Like, it's not like, hey, listen, we're going to finance that over 30 years. Like, they expect it to be due within that year, maybe 18 months at best. And if they can't pay that, then they're going to put a special assessment tax lien, or excuse me, lien on their property, aren't they? Is that how right. they're going to do it? Right. Right. So now you've got someone with an additional twenty thousand lien on the property. Back due HOA dues that just keep compounding. Like that's that that poses some problems that go back that we'll talk about here in a minute that you start to see in 08. But you know that's borderlines when that predatory lending starts to step in because if some of these fixed income people can't afford these properties, you might have someone step in and say, "Well, I'll buy you out from underneath that." Sure. You know, and take over the property, and uh, that's a, that's a whole other thing. That's an unintended consequence, I think, of a bill like Correct. this being passed. Yeah. I think there'll probably be some revisions to prevent that from happening. But what are you seeing in monthly dues? Are some of these associations saying not a one-time assessment? We're going to spread this out. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard stories of you know a six hundred dollar a month assessment going to over two thousand dollars. That's over three times you know, what the current assessment is. And yeah. like, how how is it how is it possible someone could pivot their life for eighteen hundred dollars difference, or excuse me, a, a three times a multiplier? Like, how does someone even go about accepting something like that. Right. That's, right. The, that's so, the problem we're going to face. Yeah, yeah. So do you think there's a solution to this? Do you think there's something that uh, that the, our government's going to pass to kind of put some sort of, I don't know, affordability clause in there for this? I haven't heard of anything. I haven't read about anything. I haven't heard any whispers, um, quite honestly. Um, I suspect, you know, in my opinion, there will be some revisions to this bill. Mm-hmm. It was somewhat of a shotgun bill. Okay. Maybe not completely thought through as far as the unintended consequences are concerned. Um, 
So I really do suspect that there will be some some amendments yeah, along the way. Yeah, there's got to be some unwinding of this. Somewhat of a glitch bill. Yeah. So let's break this down. If I'm a current seller, you know, let's really dive into our real estate audience here. Let's say I'm a listing agent, I'm a buying agent, I'm a buyer, or I'm a seller. Let's start with the seller and the listing agent. What's their obligation now if this study hasn't been done to disclose to a buyer if they decide to sell the property? Right. So the seller's obligation as of today is either hand over a summary of that inspection report, assuming it's been completed, okay. or provide a statement, you know, via vis-a-vis the HOA or the condo association that the study has not been completed. And so if that study hasn't been completed, is that almost like a buyer beware? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you're a buyer and you're a buyer's agent and you're stepping into this realm and that study hasn't been done and they provide, hey, it has not been completed. I mean, at that point, you've really got to say, hey, all bets are off. This thing could jump three, four, five times as much, or I could get a special assessment of 25 grand at any time or more. Yeah, absolutely. I don't correct. really know what I'm getting into. This is unlimited windfall of expenses that I could incur. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. I mean, and that's unfortunate because, you know, like you said, there's a lot of them that haven't been completed because there's not enough specialty people to go around and do the, the inspection or, or do the, excuse me, the study and then provide it and then what's being done. And plus it takes time. So that, that, that bodes a potential issue. Now you mentioned earlier that our forms in our contract here being a NEFAR, the contracts have been updated with condo. Is that right? With the condo yeah, stuff? Yes, our condo there? rider. And it's simply, I mean, it's not a, a major revision okay. other than it requires delivery of these uh, studies if okay. they are available or in lieu of the uh, the statement that they have not been that completed. You're referring to there. Correct. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. W-W-W w.boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. So where do you see kind of the rubber meeting the road on this from the standpoint of you've got sellers that are lined up there? I mean, I would imagine if I'm a seller, right? And I know this has got to be done. Well, first of all, let me back up. Do you think sellers even know this needs to be done? The majority now. Yeah, I think the majority of the public has no idea this needs to be done. But let's assume one day they wake up out of the ether and they and they realize this needs to be done, or someone brings it to their attention, like, oh shit, like I gotta get what? And they decide to sell. There's sellers that may just come out and say, Man, I gotta go. Let's get rid of this property now. We may see some inventory come to the market because these studies haven't been done and they know they gotta happen. And then there's probably some buyers out here that have no idea this has got to be done that are gonna be matchmaker on these properties. That's out right. There. And then there's going to be some buyers that, where does the diligence lie? Like if you're a buyer's agent, are you somewhat like responsible for educating that buyer on this potentially could be an issue? Like how does that work? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, Quentin, you've hit that on the nail as far as the education piece. And that's what we've been preaching to, you know, many of the local agents that we, um, that we work with is educate, 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 
you know, perform your diligence, get as much information as you can, um, you know, get copies of the board minutes um, from the last several meetings because that's going to reveal any sort of whispers of assessments or whether uh, or not, okay, you know, whether or not these studies have been completed or potential dates, if they have not been completed, when they will be completed. And then you can compile all that information, give it to your buyer. And then at that point, you know, quite frankly, I think it is buyer beware. Yeah. So you're telling me in the meeting notes, you'll find a little tea leaves in there about what's going on here. Is this inspection scheduled or is a study being done? You know, that it's going to be coming about. And it's up to that buyer to dive into those notes and read that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, dude, do you think a lot of buyers are reading that? <laughs> absolutely I mean, not. <laughs> how many pages could meeting notes be an annual budget? Like, what are we talking about? How many pages could this be? Um, I mean, I've seen from a few, but then I've seen up to, yeah, yeah. 30, 40 pages. And also, of- not only that, it's a, it's a freaking obstacle to get these things. I mean, I know from a lender's perspective, you got to go find the, the secret combination to get in there, pay an exuberant amount to get it, and then they send it to you. And I know the, list, the listing agent's obligated to get it and find it and give it to you and provide it. But once you get it, I mean, it is I mean, it's not easy to read and interpret. That's right. You know, so, I mean, I think that is there any type of uh, liability to a buyer's agent? Besides saying, this is what we know, here's the documents, you need to read them. Yeah, no, I mean, outside of that, I think okay. that's what, again, we've been preaching is is just do what you can. And at some point, you know, it does become a business decision for that sure. buyer. Now, from a listing standpoint, if there's tea leaves in those HOA notes that you're referring to, is it their job to disclose that? Or their job is to say, here it is, read it. I think it's a conveyor of information. Conveyor of information. Man, this is a slippery slope, man. If I'm a buyer, <laughs> man, that's a scary situation to be in. It'll be interesting. You know, so like, I think that applies thus further price pressure on our market for the single families versus condos, you know, because I mean, now you did hint on something and for our audience, I want them to understand this. It's three and above. So if it's below three, they're not required to do this special assessment reserve study, correct? That's right. That's right. Now, does that start, when you said it starts at the third level, I want to make sure I understand this because I'm looking for clarity. Let's say I got an eight unit, right? And I'm wanting to buy unit two. Is unit two subject for an assessment as units three, four, five, six, seven, eight? That's correct. Yes. So two gets it as well. Correct. Okay. So it's the whole whole tower in that case. It's the whole tower in that case. Where you run into a little bit of unclear, uh, unclarity is you know, what, what is designated as a, as a story. So for example, okay. let's say you've got parking garages, floor that. one and yep. two. Okay. You've got a mixed use where yeah, it's commercial co-op. for 10, you know, 10 floors. Uh-huh. Condominiums don't start until floor 11. That's where the conundrum comes in. And, and, you know, the bill is not a hundred percent clear as Imagine to that. what it applies to. <laughs> um, Imagine so that. It'll be interesting. You know, you get into, uh, you know, what if level one is underground? Okay. But my opinion, you know, I think kind of looking back at the initial objective of this bill is safety, safety. So, you know, you're looking at the structural integrity of a yep. building. I agree. So I, the way I would no matter, was, regardless of its use. Yep. Once uh, you're off the ground, three feet and above, or three floors and above, that's where the, that's right. That's where that structural integrity comes from. Cause the whole bill seems to be designed around the non-integrity part of the Miami Surfside. That's right. You know, what was going on down there, that was an issue, right? right? Neglected for quite some time, well-documented too. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that's what they want to do is prevent the neglected, you know, structural integrity of properties. Um, but I, I think, so if we're dealing with condos that are now, and I know I'm asking the same question again, but if it goes one, two, three, 
if we have a it's, it's one, two, and three, is that now subject to That's this? subject. So it's really? three and above. So anything wow. one or two. And again, it has to be declared as a condominium. Right. So that means or a co-op. Now so that means a townhome state, state like this tax bill has to declare it as that. Is that correct? There's a filed declaration of okay. condominium. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how about this? What if it's a one and a two and it's right on the water oceanside? Exempt. Really? Really. Now, how does that make any sense whatsoever <laughs> that it's exempt? I mean, and it could be it could be elevated up, right? Because that first floor is like uh, piers and post, right? And yep. elevated up and technically be the same height as a three-story condominium. But that first floor is just elevation. And then there's one and then there's two. How does that work? That's right. It's going with the statutory definition Holy of cow. a story. So yeah, Holy absolutely. It's, okay. That's so interesting. That is interesting. So that 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 blows my mind because we've got a slew of condos that are two stories right yeah. on the water. On pylons. Yeah. And just exactly on pylons. And it's like, well, they're exempt. They don't need it. And they probably need it more than some of those eight stories. That's right. That they're referring to out there. That's right. Wow. Okay. So is there anything else in this bill that I'm missing that you want to discuss or recommend to our audience that, you know, I'm leaving out here because I know that you are the expert in this category and I know I'm not, and I'm just asking the questions that I know. Yeah. I, I just, I think to reiterate some of the the quandaries, I mean, it's just the bill um, is very vague in my opinion, so mm -hmm. far as some definitions. So that's what I alluded to earlier. I suspect there'll be some sort of a glitch bill just yep. to amend these glitches per se and better define some of what exactly is a story. Um, for example, um, and I just, you know, quite frankly, I am, um, you know, some of the unintended consequences. I just, um, you look into the scenario where Surfside, for example, you know, one tower had all of this, you know, this maintenance obligation um, after the collapse, or let's say a, a tower sustains hurricane damage, mm -hmm. but only one of the two towers. Right. They're going to, you know, the owners in Tower 1 that was d destroyed or affected you know, may have $200,000 in repairs, yet their value is the same as a condo, to, a tower two condo. Right. You know, yet they've put all that money into it. So it doesn't really offset one another. Um, in that particular case, if you have multiple towers and one is damaged, do the other towers take on the same assessment as one to help offset the cost? Or does it specifically just go to that one? Or does that matter how the condo It'll be, it, it's typically how the, the, the bylaws are, are bylaws. set up okay. for the uh, condo, but traditionally it's going to spread across all the owners. But wow. you still talk about deductibles. You talk about non-covered items, um, you know, to where Tower 1 that was affected is going to have more of an expense than Tower 2. And I think it's real important for the audience to understand, you know, we just had Ryan Locke on here talking about homeowners insurance and the homeowners insurance conundrum that's going on in the state of Florida. It is a different style of homeowners insurance for a condo than it is for a single family residence. You know, you don't, that's why you have condo association because they absorb a lot of that insurance. Sure. It's a lot different than homeowner's insurance that you would have on your home. So you actually have two different parties that are insuring this condo, the association and the homeowner's insurance is insurance, the dwelling and, and excuse me, the, the contents inside of that's the four right. walls. So it's a lot different when you say homeowners and when you say insurance, you know, for our audience, He's not referring to like what Ryan Locke would do for you or, or an insurance person would do for the condo. That's a different style of insurance compared to what we think traditional homeowners insurance is. That's right. So that that's a that's another conundrum that I think is an issue there. And um, you know, I think it's something that when you're buying a condo, you should be aware of. Yeah, yeah. And I think one other thing I'd point out would be the uh, you know a mixed use, not only mixed use but mixed level mm -hmm. complex or neighborhood. Um, for example, you've got some one and two story flats 
under the same association as a 30, you know, floor tower. Wow. So in that instance, you know, is that assessment going to apply to all of the units right. in a traditional sense? Um, in my opinion, I'm thinking there will be an establishment of a, 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 um, a master association, let's say, mm-hmm. for your everyday common grounds right. maintenance, and then there'll be a sub, a sub specific to the tower. That makes sense. To address these, these Senate bill issues. Where do you see this impact really hitting the state more? Probably South Florida? South Florida. I mean, I would say I've seen Daytona South. Yeah. Yeah. I know Daytona is really, really yeah. fighting a lot of this because a lot of these studies have already been done in the Daytona area and we're starting to see some of those HOAs roll in. And, Correct. And they're definitely um, pricey. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on there. <laughs> absolutely. You know, in, in, in Northeast Florida, we don't really have a lot of condos that really, you know, fall in this category on the water, if you may. Um, you know, we have a select few, but we do have quite a few that are that 30 years yeah, approaching yeah. that. But you like know. you said here, you know, on the local level of Jacksonville Beach, Neptune Beach, Atlantic Beach, yeah. most of the condos are newer yeah. buildings. So where I see this really hitting, Miami, Panama City, um, let's see here, uh, Daytona. Volusia County. Volusia, Destin, Fort Walton Beach, um, you know, Tampa, St. Pete area. You know, yep. definitely in that area. So there are big parts, major metros in this area. Um, you know, Orlando, not as much, especially since they don't have a coastline there. Right. Um, they might have some over 30, but if you're in the Orlando market, really probably not near as big a deal as it is the previous markets we just named there. So, um, but again, if you're a buyer and you're looking to buy, here's what, here's our recommendation to you and a buyer's agent. You need to get those notes if the assessment hasn't been done and you need to read the notes more importantly. And inside those notes, what are they looking for, Justin? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, read um, what you're what you're provided, and specifically, you're looking for, um, you know, just a whether or not that study's been done. Okay. Um, if it has been done, what si- what sort of issues have been noted? Mm-hmm. And on the reserve side, you know, you can easily get a copy of the budget that's the approved budget, um, at least for the, you know that that current year, yep. and you can look at the reserves. And most often, a good uh, budget is going to show a shelf life. Uh, for each of the major elements of that condo okay. too. So, you know, a lot of times you can easily deduce, you know, if there's two years left on the roof, you know you're going to have an assessment coming up. Yeah, and it'll tell you that. And also, it'll show you next year's proposed budget too. Yeah. It's usually a current and proposed and previous. Absolutely. So you should have a good guidance going into the next year so there's no surprises there. Yeah. But again, if that study hasn't been done inside those notes, they're looking for conversations about- There should be some whispers of whispers. certain or, items that you know have been talked about or have been noted as issues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, flagged as issues. So- yeah, at least at that point, the buyer says, hey, you know, I- I'm taking a 50-50 chance on this. Would you recommend if the buyer's taking a 50-50 chance, maybe negotiate something with the seller to share in that risk? Or would you negotiate, say, hey, listen, you know, you and I both know this reserve study hasn't been done yet. It's going to be do- it's gonna be coming due. I can see on the budget here, you got a shelf life of three years on the roof left. Like, I know I'm going to be absorbing some of that. Are you looking for a price negotiation or a concession of some sort? Is that unreasonable to ask that? No, not at all. Yeah. I think if I'm a buyer and I'm going into a market where I know I'm going 50-50 on the risk, I'm going to ask that seller to share 50% of that risk with me in order just to make sure that I'm not 100% taking on all the risk. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's group. a fair fair position to take. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, Justin, I tell you what, I really appreciate you being on the show today. 